Are you still walking along the path to find out what your life's mission is? It may be closer than you think. Welcome to Mission Possible Program with your host, Carol Ann Fernandez. Everyone has a true calling. Join us now and find yours. Now, here is Carol Ann Fernandez. Hello to all our listeners in the U.S. and around the world. Welcome to the Mission Possible Program. I'm your host, Carol Ann Fernandez, and the author of the book, Mission Possible, How to Step into Your True Calling. I hope everyone is safe and healthy. My guest host again this week is Lynn Fisher. Lynn has a passion for art, nature, and travel has been the cornerstone of her journey. Through a rich and diverse career in the arts, she has witnessed the power that art brings to empower and heal Lynn's fascination for textiles blossomed into a long-standing career in home furnishings, where she worked with notable designers, including Raymond Waits. A love for Mickey Mouse led her to a successful 10-year career at the Walt Disney Company. As creative director in the consumer products division, she spearheaded innovative design programs that brought new energy to licensed brands. Driven by a desire to give back, Lynn later stepped into the nonprofit arena, where she facilitated art workshops to survivors impacted by trauma and violence. She has devoted herself to making a difference and opening people's hearts to their greater potential. Lynn is an adventurer at heart and has traveled throughout the world in search of greater inspiration and connection. She is excited to share the wisdom she has learned along the way. Welcome, Lynn Fisher. Hey, Carol Ann. It's a blessing to be here with you again today. So here we are again on this beautiful sunny day at this unprecedented time in our history amidst the coronavirus pandemic. And we are still washing our hands, keeping social distance and sheltering in place. So, Lynn, I have an excerpt from a piece written by the great Indian writer Arundhati Roy that was inspired by the coronavirus crisis that I'd like to share. Great. It is called The Pandemic is a Portal. Whatever it is, coronavirus has made the mighty kneel and brought the world to a halt like nothing else could. Our minds are still racing back and forth, longing for a return to normality, trying to stitch our future to our past, and refusing to acknowledge the rupture. But the rupture exists. And in the midst of this terrible despair, It offers us a chance to rethink the doomsday machine we have built for ourselves. Nothing could be worse than a return to normality. Historically, pandemics have forced humans to break with the past and imagine their world anew. This one is no different. It is a portal, a gateway between one world and the next. We can choose to walk through it, dragging the carcasses of our prejudice and hatred, our avarice, our data banks and dead ideas, our dead rivers and smoky skies behind us. Or we can walk through lightly with little luggage, 
ready to imagine another world and ready to fight for it. That was by the great Indian writer Arundhati Roy, and the entire piece can be found in the Financial Times. <clears throat> wow. I'm so touched by all the words you've shared. Um, this one just seems so timely for me. I hear it as an invitation to really use this pandemic experience as an opportunity um, and a chance for each of us to be part in creating the world we want. I really needed that. <laughs> it's been a oh, strange good. week so far. Yeah, it's just been a strange week so far. Um, when the Safer at Home order was first announced, I was really optimistic. I thought I, I can do this. I'm an artist and always value my time alone. Um, but as the weeks have gone by, I find myself having a slew of different emotions and I feel like I'm being faced with myself, my thoughts, my feelings, all of them, the good and the bad. And I'm aware that some sadness has come up, some angst has come up, my sleep patterns are wonky, I've been longing for more human interactive interaction. It's, it feels like almost the novelty has worn off, it's, and it's been a bit more of a struggle. Um, but at the same time, I've had this inner voice that says, now is not the time to slack. This is where the rubber really meets the road. And I'm hearing this on the news as well, where, it's, where they're saying we may be bending um, the curve by physical distancing, but we still need to stay the course. And I realize it could be so easy for me to fall into the doldrums, to numb out, to get depressed, but I feel like I'm being called to become even more present in these moments, to dig even deeper, to find a place that is strong and resilient, those seeds of inspiration, and to create more moments of connection. Yesterday, as I went, um, this is a, just a little short story, um, yesterday as I went outside with Bambi for our walk, I found a number of my neighbors sitting on the front lawn, lawn and of course they were all spread out because they were all six feet apart. Mm-hmm. I joined them in realizing that it was the first time we were all together. All the dogs were with us and we were sharing funny life stories. At one point, one person said to me, if there's a sil- silver lining in all this, it's that we're all coming together and getting to know each other in new ways. The experience was so sweet for me, and I'm really learning to make the most of these moments um, and not just let them pass by. And one thing I'm becoming more aware of is how much we need each other and how important it is to consciously connect and open our hearts in real ways. Um, And, you know, I'm just going back to the poem where, where he was talking about envisioning and fighting for a different world. And the way I like to think of it is um, for us to create a new normal, you know, one that really inspires hope and one that, that really where our collective wisdom and loving shines through, where we can all get along, and one that really supports and power, powers us all. And it feels like there's an opportunity for this, in this during this time. Yes, I concur. Beautifully said. Yes, indeed. So, 
I also wanted to uh, share, you know, despite our current challenges, there is still goodness of bounds, and, and I do get that the the novelty is wearing off, but these little stories still keep coming around, and I wanted to share a couple of them. One is an anonymous donor in Massachusetts bought $5,000 worth of gift cards to pay for groceries for seniors and those who are immunocompromised. And I just thought that was so sweet, so precious. And then in Houston, a longtime customer left a $1,000 tip on a $19 order. So again, you know, really sweet things are still happening. And, and then besides the good deeds that are still going on, you know, I've also heard some heart-wrenching stories of people who have died of COVID-19, as well as some heartwarming stories of people who have survived. I think you told me about a 103-year-old woman in Italy. And I must say that I was also saddened by the long lines that sometimes extend for miles at food pantries around the country. There are so many people in dire need of food. And at the same time, we have farmers who are dumping millions of gallons of milk, tossing tons of eggs and plowing under fresh vegetables because of the disruption in our food supply chain due to this pandemic. So, you know, from my perspective, we can and must do better than this. So our thoughts and prayers and hearts are with those who are struggling to pay their bills and struggling to put food on the table, those who have been infected with the coronavirus, as well as those who have lost loved ones to COVID-19. Mm, yeah, it definitely feels like it's a a sobering time, a, a wake-up call. Um, yes. The world is certainly changing. I know I'm changing. There's so much good happening, but also so much uncertainty. And it feels to me like a time to truly be humble, um, to let go of all that divisiveness, the pretentiousness, the walls of separation, and find strength and commonality in our humanity, um, to remember what that poem said in the beginning, that we have a hand in creating the life we want. Yes. Um, and, when, and just knowing that when one person thrives, we all thrive. And um, it was interesting because what came forward to me was to say to be the change we wish to see. So I looked it up um, because I know that's been it's been said that it comes from Mahatma Gandhi, and he said something like right. that. But he, yeah. but what he actually did say, which I wanted to share because I know you and I like poems, is we but mirror the world. All the tendencies present in the outer world are to be found in the world of our body. If we could change ourselves, the tendencies in the world would also change. As a man changes his own nature, so does the attitude of the world change towards him. This is the divine mystery supreme. A wonderful thing it is and the source of our happiness. We need not wait to see what others do. And what what this calls to mind for me is even through the struggles, there's so much goodness coming through. I'm experiencing a greater sense of fellowship with everyone, and there's a great deal of solace in knowing that we're all in this together. I know we will get through this. We are getting through this. And I just have hope that we'll come out more aligned and more connected than ever before. Beautiful. I love that. Yes. And I love that quote by Gandhi. So we had two Indian people today, or three, yes, including myself. 
That's true, in honor of you, Carol Ann. <laughs> okay, so, so let's um, get back to the topic of mission. Um, so for the last three weeks, we focused on how one can discover their mission. Um, I think it's always helpful to recap a bit for those who are listening for the first time. Um, you began by saying that people get initiated into their mission. Can you just briefly review again what you mean by initiation? Yeah, so from my perspective, there are seven stages to one's mission, and, and that came from um, my research. And so it is a process. And you can read about the seven stages in my book, Mission Possible, How to Step into Your True Calling. So the first stage is what I call your initiation. And the initiation is how your mission makes itself known to you. It is the beginning of your mission. You are being put on notice by the universe that your mission is coming into focus. Oh, great. Okay. So then you mentioned there are four ways that people can be initiated initiated to their mission. In the past weeks, you have shared about three of them, so I want to brief, brief, briefly recap them. The first is via an inspired idea, um, which you have defined as a sudden download, a spark of intuition, an aha moment, or it can appear like a gentle whisper of your inner voice in answer to a prayer. It's an idea that makes itself known and remains with you no matter what. The second is by way of an extreme fascination where a person becomes completely captivated by a specific subject, subject, object, cause, or ability the moment they come in contact with it. And that heightened interest compels and propels them on the unfolding path towards their mission. And then last week, you referred to the third, which is a life-altering situation, and that's when, without warning, life is suddenly and completely rearranged due to an unforeseen incident. It can take a variety of forms, such as a near-fatal accident, the diagnosis of a life-threatening disease, the sudden loss of a loved one, a challenging divorce, or a spiritual awakening. So today, you're going to focus on a fourth way that people can be initiated into one's mission. Can you tell us more about that one? Yeah, so this is the fourth and final way, and really, I call it a combination. It is basically a blend of the previous three initiatory experiences that you just recapped for us. So as an example, someone could have a life-altering situation followed by an inspired idea, or someone could have an extreme fascination followed by an inspired idea. So that's what I mean by combination. Oh, great. So can you give us an example um, of, of, um, of where a combination might have shown up? Yes, so let's talk about Howard Schultz and Starbucks, uh, one of the places you and I would grab a cup of coffee prior to this pandemic. So mm -hmm. Howard Schultz was born into a working class family, and he grew up in uh, the housing projects in Brooklyn. So he came from a working poor family and experienced poverty at a at an early age. He was the first in his family to go to college, and he does so on a football scholarship, but decides not to play football. So in order to pay for his education, you know, he starts taking out student loans and taking out various jobs, including bartending 
and occasionally selling his blood. And then, you know, after college, he he ventures into sales and ends up working for a small housewares business called Hammerplast. And he starts selling large quantities of drip coffee makers to a small coffee bean store in Seattle called Starbucks Coffee, Tea, and Spice Company. And he was eager to find out, like, why they were buying so many coffee makers. So he decides to visit them. So this was in 1981. And he walks in through the door of the original Starbucks. And he writes in his book, Pour Your Heart Into It. It had immediately captivated me with its combination of passion and authenticity. So there we see his extreme fascination. He's captivated by it. He felt like he was home. To him, it was a special place, and the product spoke to him. And he goes on to say, I had never had a good cup of coffee. I met the founders of the company and really heard for the first time the story of great coffee. I just said, God, this is something I've been looking for my whole professional life. And a year later, he started working for Starbucks as their marketing director. So right there, he's captivated by coffee. All of a sudden, he just, you know, this is it. So he's working for Starbucks. The company sends him to a warehouse show in Milan, Italy. And while he's walking around the city, he first sees and experiences the true romance of the beverage he notices that there are espresso bars on a lot, like are a large part of the Italian culture, and are on almost every corner. So not only do the owners know the customers by name, but they're serving the espressos and the cappuccinos and the cafe lattes. But the espresso bars also serve as a meeting place. So that's when he has this inspired idea. He recognizes that we long for human connection. And that's what you were talking about at the beginning of the show, Lenny, right? Human connection. And the coffee bars were the conduit for it. The coffee bars were the third place between home and work. So there's his inspired idea. He loves it. He's convinced he's seen the future. And he's eager to go back home and open up coffee shops in the U.S., and so he's back in the U.S. and he tries to convince his bosses to offer espresso beverages in addition to the whole bean coffees that they were selling. But they rejected the idea. So eventually he quits his job. And then in 1985, he opens up his own coffee shop, which he named Il Giornale. And uh, so that's what he did. But it wasn't an easy journey. Right. So in order for Howard Schultz to get Il Giornale off the ground, he had to raise more than $1.6 million. And he said, in the course of the year I spent trying to raise money, I spoke to 242 people, and 217 of them said no. So he said, try mm-hmm. to imagine how disheartening it can be to hear that many times why your idea is not worth investing in. It was a very humbling time. And he said he cried when his father-in-law in in the early stages insisted that he get a real job and abandon his coffee dream. So again, this was not an easy journey. This was a process for Howard Schultz, just like it is for anyone who endeavors to actualize their dreams, to actualize their mission, but he stuck it out and prevailed. And then in August of 1987, 
Il Giornale bought Starbucks for $3.8 million, and Howard Schultz became the CEO and star, uh, CEO of Starbucks Corporation. And at that time, there were six stores. And we all know the end result. Because now there is a Starbucks pretty much on almost like on almost every corner, and that was the result. The result of that inspired idea is a multi-billion-dollar coffee retail business. It's the largest coffee chain on earth, and it now has over thirty-one thousand stores in at least 62 countries and this is from a guy who grew up in poverty, who grew up in the projects. So to recap, Howard Schultz had an extreme fascination with coffee. He's captivated by coffee. And then he has the inspired idea to open coffee shops, right? Meeting places, a place of connection, the third place between home and work. So that is an example of a combination. Hmm. Wow. I, it's it's so great to um, hear these hear these stories. And you know, I love um, how you that it, it's none of this fall is about is about luck. Um, it's that he followed his passion and he recognized the opportunity and really um, seized it. Um, I find it so helpful to just hear the tra- trajectory of each person's journey and how their mission unfolded as a result of persistence, let's see, um, creativity, ingenuity, passion, and just really, like what you've said before, really leaning into something that's meaningful. Yeah, and, another and persevering. story. Yeah, persevering. I'm sorry? Yes. And, yes, go ahead. No, yeah, uh, and, and, and persevering is what, what I was saying. Because and we can all see ourselves in this, you know, where, you know, being rejected, you know, he experienced a lot of rejection initially. There were people who didn't believe in him and he stuck to it. Mm. Wow. That's a that's a, a, a great story. Um, so I know you have another one that you want to share. And I also know I'm not sure where we are in terms of our first break. So did you want to start it or? Yeah, I think I'll start it and then also pick it up on the other side off the break. So we're going to go from coffee to tea. So Zena Muzika was living the life of a starving artist and working on a book about her gypsy grandmother's life when she becomes pregnant. Now, obviously, having a child is a life-changing experience. But her son Sage was born with a severe birth defect that required a series of surgeries. So there is her life-altering experience, right? So her son needs a a series of surgeries, including a life-saving operation at four weeks old that had to be performed on his bladder in order for him to live. So she said, I had to come up with a way to have him with me and to make money to support to support ourselves. So she had little income. She has mounting medical costs, no insurance. She began searching for a job that would allow her to bring her son to work, but to no avail. And she's living in Ojai, California. 
And she goes for a walk in the canyon and she prays for an answer to heal her son and to make a living. And she said the words, Gypsy Tea answered me. So there is her inspired idea. She hears the words, Gypsy Tea. And she said, I literally had a vision of what I could do with tea and how to bring women together. And it turns out that she had a hobby. It was something that she loved. It made her happy. She had a talent for blending herbal portion potions that came from her gypsy heritage. So her grandmother was a Roma gypsy from the Ukraine, and she taught Zena as a child that botanicals can heal any issue in the mind, body, or spirit. So Zena Muzika carried forth her, her grandmother's passion for herbs and teas and flowers and spices well into her adulthood. And she studied herbal medicine throughout college and beyond. And when she was in her 20s, she studied indigenous herbal medicine with a group of shamans and ethnobotanists in Peru. And she saw firsthand the power indigenous plants have to heal both the body and also create sustainable businesses that can support developing nation farmers and companies bottom lines so she hears gypsy tea during her walk and she takes action she starts blending her teas in her mountain cabin kitchen and uh, she also begins incorporating organic fruit extracts flower petals and essential oils into her teas. So we are going to take a short break right there. We will pick up the story when we come back. And you are listening to the Mission Possible program on voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel. I'm your host, Carol Ann Fernandez, in conversation with Lynn Fisher, my guest host, about discovering your mission and purpose. on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment are you satisfied with your life do you know that more should be possible listen for the Access Consciousness radio show with the creators of Access Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now what if all of life could come to you with ease joy and glory Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you tired of your job? Do you feel like you were meant for more? Would you like to live life on your terms? You can when you actualize your true calling. You can be financially sustainable. You can live a meaningful life. You can love what you do. Even make a difference and leave a luminous legacy. Drawing from over a decade's worth of research, her immense wisdom and cross-cultural life experience, Carol Ann guides, encourages, and inspires individuals to awaken to their purpose and actualize their life's mission. For those seeking to deepen their understanding and learn more, please visit carolann.global. For information about programs, coaching, and local workshops, or to purchase her book, Mission Possible, A Guide to Discovering Your True Calling, or to invite Carol Ann to speak at your event, please visit carolann.global. Again, 
That's carolann.global. Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E is an amazing way to help you be you. Join host Dr. Deborah Egerton as she helps you to see how exploring the Enneagram helps you understand why you do the things you do. Understanding yourself can strengthen relationships, offer new perspectives, and help you live the life you were intended to live. You'll look at different aspects of your life in a whole new light. Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E is broadcast live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Mission Possible Program. To reach Carol Ann Fernandez or her guest on today's program, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd like to send an email, the email address is radiomissionpossible at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mission Possible program. I'm your host, Carol Ann Fernandez, in conversation with Lynn Fisher, my guest co-host. And we are discussing one of the ways you will be initiated to your mission, as outlined in my book, Mission Possible, How to Step into Your True Calling. So prior to the break, we were talking about Zena Musica, and she was living the life of a starving artist. She's trying to figure out how to basically take care of her newborn baby who needs a life-saving operation. And she has no money, and she's trying to figure it out. And then she gets an inspired idea, and she hears the words gypsy tea. So Zaina goes back to her kitchen, and she starts blending her teas and, and uh, incorporating the fruit extracts and the flower petals and essential oils. And, and then she cobbles together $3,000 from her parents and her little brother, and she buys a tea cart wheels it into her girlfriend's store and she puts her son Sage in a baby carrier backpack and starts selling teas right off the cart. So in the first year, she made $4,000 in sales and her business continues to grow. And again, like Howard Schultz, it was a process. It didn't happen overnight and it was challenging. Zena Musica said, I learned everything the hard way and that my learning curve was so steep it was backwards, and it hurt to fall off so much. And then in the second year, she ends up making 54000 The third year, it grows substantially to 250000 etc. And today, Gypsy Tea is an award-winning brand. It has grown to into a multi-million dollar socially conscious business. Her teas are sold in more than 10,000 retail locations worldwide. Her tea company has become a global leader in organic and fair trade practices and has improved the lives of hundreds of workers. So she was clear and she said, I decided that I will dedicate my company to ending poverty for them. So because of her insistence, her teas are purchased from fair trade gardens, which means that the workers who pick her teas, namely women, receive health care, guaranteed maternity leave, child care, and education. So besides being a successful businesswoman, Zena Musica is also a business coach to socially responsible entrepreneurs. She's a motivational speaker. She authored a book called 
life by the cup. And she funds women's continuing education through her Educate Her nonprofit fund. And Zaina said that the one thing she learned is that women are the answers to the world. So I just wanted to share this for all the women out there who are listening. As soon as women step into our power and make our voices heard, look out. There is positive change around the world. That's a quote by Zaina Musica. So again, to recap, Zaina Musica's life-altering situation was that her, her son was born with a major defect that uh, it could have taken his life. And then she has an inspired idea to create Gypsy Tea. And that was the birth of uh, her amazing company. Hmm. Oh, that's a, what a great story. Um, it, feels, it feels almost in a way it was like a, a full circle moment for her. Um, and what she eventually ended up doing is it it bridged her heritage, her passions, and her desire to be socially responsible. It's almost as if her soul knew, like, something very early on and that her path um, unfolded as she was going along. Um, And I love how you, you know, you're sharing the parts about the difficulty and the challenge of it, because I'm sure that's very helpful um, for the for the listener because in every story you've shared it's clear that it's not easy it's not easy it's not some magical thing that just happens that you have to keep staying the course and leaning in so thank you I I think that's another great and um, inspiring inspiring story and Lynn, I just um, wanted to say something in reference to what you just said. You said it's it was a full circle moment for her, and it was as if her soul knew. And I just want to say that on some level, our souls do know. We choose our missions from my perspective prior to incarnating, and we choose our circumstances, our lives, our, our resumes. They are preparing us for what we're here to do. So her life, you can see that in her story. Her life was preparing her. So it was a full circle moment. Everything came around. And she loved making teas. That was her hobby. And sometimes we may have hobbies that we take for granted. We may think that nothing will come off them. Um, You know, she could have easily said, oh, my gosh, there are a thousand teas already on the market. You know, who am I create a tea or what you know I'll never succeed but she didn't she just leaned into it she followed her guidance and this is the result of it so I feel our souls do know Mm, it's so great to hear because it's so easy for me when I look at my life to be derailed because sometimes my mind is saying no, there's another way. Um, but every time I lean in, I seem to go go in a direction that's leading me on, you know, a forward path. So yes. thank you for sharing that. Um, is there anything else you want to add in regard to um, these examples that you've um, just shared? Yeah, so uh, again, you know, I want to just stress that your mission, our mission, one's mission is born humbly. So in Zena's case, it's a simple idea. She hears gypsy tea, 
right? Uh, Howard Schultz has this idea about coffee uh, shops and connection. It's a simple idea. There are no bells and whistles. The heavens don't part and God doesn't say, hey, this is your mission. And your mission does not come with a guarantee that says if you follow through with it, you'll be met with success. But more than likely, you will if you persevere. And usually, it's beyond your wildest expectations. At least that is what I found in all my research. You know, Zena Musica didn't know when she was blending teas in her little kitchen cabinet, when she was following her guidance, that it would eventually evolve into a multi-million dollar company. Howard Schultz, a kid who grew up in poverty, he grows up in the projects, was captivated by coffee and didn't know that his inspired idea to open up coffee shops would become a billion-dollar company. So again, I've said this several times, and I'll keep saying it, that don't underestimate the potency of your mission. Don't underestimate the potency of your inspired ideas. And I also want to add that no one else may initially believe in your idea or get it or support you. Again, how Howard Schultz said he cried when his father-in-law in the early stages insisted that he get a real job and abandon his coffee dream, right? So his father-in-law did not see the potential in his inspired idea, and, and nor did many of those investors that he reached out to. So at times, you may be the only one that believes in yourself. So you may have to dig deep and find your courage and persevere. And again, I want to remind people, and I just said it, um, just remember that how potent your missions can be and what can become of them, the difference that we can make, the lives that we can touch, the beacons of light that we can be for others. So I want to encourage everyone especially at this time when the world has come to a standstill, when we are sheltering in place to reflect on your lives and see what is trying to emerge through you and from you. Hmm. Wow. I love, I love what you just shared here. Um, do we have time for one more story? Yes. We do. So this story is about Eve Ensler. And Eve grew up in an affluent suburb neighborhood in what appeared on the outside to be the ideal life. But inside the home, she was living a life of horror. In her memoir, In the Body of the World, she recounts the abuse she endured as a child. So here is her life-altering situation, right? So from the ages of 5 to 10, she was repeatedly raped, beaten, and tormented with food by her father, who was a corporate executive. So naturally, to numb her pain, she disassociates from life and turns to alcohol for solace. By the time she's in high school, she's drinking heavily, which continued well beyond college. And she's in deep emotional turmoil. And she she wanders the country living in communes. And then in her early 20s and 30s, playwriting becomes really important to her. It becomes an essential part of her healing recovery. And then in 1990, she travels to Bosnia to visit the refugee camps during the Bosnia War, where women were being raped. 
And Eve Ensler spends months interviewing the women, and she collects their stories and turns them into a heartbreaking play that which was the beginning of the vagina monologues, which you and I have both seen, Lynn, uh, mm-hmm. several years ago. And Eve Ensler initially performed all the monologues herself. And she said, after seeing the play, so many women would come up to talk to me about having been beaten, raped, and incested that I started to feel I was going to have a breakdown I made a decision that I was going to figure out my purpose, my mission. That's a quote by Eve Ensler. And then one day, the answer rose up inside of her. Stop violence towards women. So there is her inspired idea. Stop violence towards women. And she said, from that moment on, my life has been completely and utterly clear. So encouraged by the response, to her play in 1997, she gathered a group of friends and asked them to help her figure out a way to use her, her work to end violence towards women. And she said, we came up with V-Day, Vagina Day, Anti-Violence Day, Victory Day. And today, the vagina monologues have been translated into 48 languages and have been performed in approximately 140 countries annual benefit productions of the play Fund V-Day, which is a global movement to end violence against women. The Vagina Monologues has raised over $100 million worldwide. It has succeeded in educating millions about the issues and the uh, eradication of violence against women, reopening shelters, funding and anti-violence programs and establishing safe houses for women in Afghanistan, Egypt, Haiti, to name a few, and the Democratic Republic of Congo, to shelter women from honor killing, abuse, and female genital mutilation. In 2012, Eve Ensler created the One Billion Rising Campaign to End Violence Towards Women. So Eve Ensler is doing profound and powerful work in the world as a result of her mission to end violence towards women. And she continues to touch the lives of so many around the world. She's also authored several books and written numerous plays. So to recap, her life-altering situation is the abuse that she endured. And then she has an inspired idea to end violence towards women. So again, Lynn, you know, once again, I can, as you had said previously, this was like a full circle moment. Wow. Yeah, I really um, have such admiration for her and the nonprofit that I worked with that used art as a healing tool for trauma survivors. She was a great mentor for us, and we often went to see the show and so i'm so glad you sh- you shared you shared that here because it's very very touching for me so thank you um so in your previous show you reminded us about the benefits of actualizing our mission um is there any more you can say about that um before we close yeah, you know, I think it would be good to recap, and I just want people to really get what is available to them when they step into their mission. So again, I'm not talking about a job, I'm not talking about a career, I'm talking about your mission. So you can 
really live a life that is deeply meaningful and fulfilling because so often people feel in their jobs in their careers that they you know they hate them or they feel like they're trapped um, so this is a shift it creates meaningful and, and a fulfilling life you can also through your mission uh, be supported financially. In other words, you can make money doing what you came here to do. Uh, from my perspective, it also contributes to your health. You can be a healthier person uh, because, you know, studies have been shown that when you are at a job or a career that you hate, there are health consequences. So generally, when people step into their mission, they tend to, they can be healthier and it, you know, it also allows you to be seen, heard, and appreciated for your unique gifts, talents, and capacities. Your mission is just an extension of who you are. And it also gives you purpose. So when everything else in your life is going to hell in a handbasket or you are met with challenges and you will be met with challenges, it sustains you. You know, as Eve Ensler said, from the moment that she figured out her permission from that moment on my life has been completely and utterly clear so that's also what is available to you and you can make a difference in the world and be of service and we have heard that time and time again in the stories that we have shared over the past few weeks and then you can also leave a luminous legacy for generations to come you know you don't know what again the potency of your mission and and what you can leave behind you know powerful and positive way and Lynn we have listeners in the US and around the world like Russia China the Netherlands and Ireland to name a few wherever you are in the world you are born loaded and coded with a mission regardless of your age your gender your race your economic status your level of education or a country of origin, there is something exceptional that you can do that hasn't been done before that the rest of us cannot do, see, or express in quite the same way. Your mission is not only meant to benefit you, but it can also, it's also meant to benefit and evolve humanity. So have the courage to go for your dreams and do the thing you came here to do for all our sakes. Mm, it's so beautifully said, and it's so heartening to hear that um, during this time, you know, just for all of us to remember who we are and that we do have value and we can make a difference. Um, it's so important to use this time, you know, to just stop and reflect on that. So... Again, I'm so appreciative of you. I'm so appreciative of this show. And I, it just really warms my heart to think of the potential and really envision a world where each of us are living our greatest uh, potential and where we're standing in our brilliance and sharing our gifts at a whole, as a whole. Thank you for being just a touchstone for that, Carol Ann. Um, it really is very meaningful. Yeah, and I think this time, Lynn, you know, uh, you know, we started off with the pandemic as a portal, and I do feel like Aaron Dutty Roy so eloquently writes, you know, it, it is perhaps not a time of going back to normality, right? Um, mm -hmm. 
I feel like there we have an old paradigm that is is crumbling all around us. We have systems and structures that no longer serve the greater good of humanity, and we are seeing that uh, with this pandemic in place. And so we have the opportunity right now to create new systems, new structures that serve the greater good of humanity. We are here to usher in a just, kind, sustainable world that works for all. And that's where your mission, our missions are so important because they are here to usher in that new world. And um, it, it is a portal. So again, I encourage everyone to lean into their missions and really see what is endeavoring to come forward as a result of it. Great. Thank you for, thank you for that. Um, so how much time do we have, Carol Ann? We still have a little time, Lynn Fisher. Okay. So um, is there anything you want to share? Um, is there, um, can you share anything about, because what comes up to me is like, let's say I have um, doubts or some fear is coming up in, in um, thinking about my mission. Is there anything you can share about that? When you say doubts about your mission, doubts when, when your I'm, mission... When I'm thinking about what my mission is, and I, I have a lot of thoughts about, you know, things that I might want to do, but, but fear sometimes comes up with me where I have um, questions, you know, where that voice, voice inside says, um, well, I'm not good enough, or I should uh, do something different, and I want to go back to sometimes a default life. Is there anything that you can share, some wisdom you can share about how to be with that voice or deal with that voice? So all of us have that voice, right? All of us have a voice that at some point says, you know, that doubts, that questions, and certainly we might have that also reflected around us in terms of our, our partners, our families, our friends, and I just want to encourage everyone to go within and to really listen to that still small voice inside and keep leaning into that. And usually when your mission comes up, when it starts, when it reveals itself, when you are initiated, it grabs a hold of you. Because in as much as you may have been looking for your mission, your mission is also looking for you. And once it finds you, it's never going to let go of you. So you might want to stick your head in the sand or distract with the busyness of life or the doubts and the fears come up. But but at the back will always be that little voice that is reminding you about your mission. So I encourage people to just keep leaning into that and keep moving forward. Keep taking small little steps to move forward in spite of the fear, right? Just keep taking um, those, I was going to say the three foot tosses that we've uh, heard so many times. But it's taking the small steps and continuing to move forward. And I think that's what all these people did, all the stories that I've shared, all of them continued in spite of the fear to take little steps to move forward and to follow their inner guidance. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that because it's a good reminder to me to 
remember that I have more power than I than I sometimes give myself credit um, for, and that um, that what I have to say is of value. Um, so yes. every time that I go to dis- distract or start getting in the busyness to just get to a point where I can build a muscle of just saying, no, go back inward, go back inward, go to that place, go to that place that I know, you know, versus what, you know, what I'm trying to find out out in the world to just go back to that place that I know. So yes. um, that's very helpful. So we are at the end of our show, Lynn. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, again, I just want to thank you. You're a real gift to not only me, to everybody I know who knows you, and um, to the listeners. And I just, again, am appreciative of who you are and the work that you're doing, and again, supporting us all in in our own empowerment. So I'm just very grateful um, for being part of this with you, and I look forward to more. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you for your sweet, kind, beautiful words, and thank you for joining me today. And to the rest of our audience, keep gathering the clues to your mission possible. This week, reflect on the following. Like Eve Ensler, make the decision to figure out your purpose, your mission. Ask yourself, what is trying to emerge through you and from you? And I leave you with this quote by Lance Secretan. Some individuals have always been aware of their uniqueness within and have lived it all their lives, thus fulfilling their destiny. Others never become enlightened in this way. Many are brought face to face with the challenge of identifying their destiny somewhere during the unfoldment of their lives. Whether it is when we are under pressure, in a moment of crisis, or in a routine moment when we calmly choose to reassess our life's path, we are invited to pause and ask ourselves the question, what is my destiny? A quote by Lance Secretan. This has been the Mission Possible program. I'm your host, Carol Ann Fernandez. Thank you to my engineer, Andrew Tonin. Stay healthy, stay safe. We are all in this together. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Mission Possible Program. Please join your host, Carol Ann Fernandez, for another edition of the program next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until the next show, we wish you the best week ahead.